Welcome to the Salty Bulldog, the podcast that would like to say, go Crom. My name is Matthew Donald, and I have Nick Galea with me as I do every other week. And if you found yourself cheering for the Croms on the weekend, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and listen to all of our episodes throughout the year. You can subscribe to the Salty Bulldog wherever you subscribe to all of your other podcasts, of course, as well, including through Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also check out our social media pages for all the latest Western Bulldog news. You can type in at the Salty Bulldog on Twitter. Search The Salty Bulldog on Facebook or YouTube. You've got our Instagram page, that.salty.bulldog, and our website also, www.thesaltybulldog.wixsite.com forward slash home. It glared a long way before Christmas, but Adelaide and Melbourne conspiring to hand out some gifts over the weekend. Indeed, indeed, that's correct. But it's also not just, uh, what do you say, go crom, because they're certainly up there for sure. Go but, um, there's also a particular Richmond supporter on Twitter, uh, Gemma underscore McCann.73 uh, that also deemed go Richard, not go Richmond. So go Richard and go Crom. So that, there we go. I got to throw that in there as well. Go go, go uh, Richard back in there in their rightful uh, spot of night. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Are. Yes, uh, our friend Jason is uh, not very pleased about that. I'll tell you what, not at all. <laughs> long, um, long way, long way to go. Trying to, trying to think just before we get straight stuck into the game, there was, there was a lot to talk about. Can't remember the last time a team gave us a gift, an opposition team gave us a gift, the way that Adelaide did at the weekend. Oh, that was, yeah, normally it's um someone blowing it up in our face, for instance, generally, isn't it? It's, no, the, the right team won of the weekend. People can go on and suck a bit all they want about that, you know, deliberate out of bounds or that hole in the ball call. But the fact is, you know, you're 16 points up or however much it is with seven or eight minutes to go yeah. in the game. If you're good enough, you're good enough to hold on to that. And you're top of the ladder. You don't even have to be top of the ladder. You know, a side should be good enough to hold on to a three-goal lead. Well, know, we are in a similar position at that very ground just just seven days earlier, weren't we? Indeed, that's Maybe exactly not. right. We made a point of that. We made a huge point of that. And I, in my five things too, you've got to take the moment. You've got to seize your opportunity. And we did. And Port Adelaide are a better team than, than Adelaide at the moment. But the Crows are probably a bit more spirited, aren't they? I would think so. I mean, Adelaide are, Adelaide are a handy side this year. Mm. I mean, they, they, mm. they sort of got things together towards the back end of last year. But mm. they, they've been a handy side this year. They've, they've won a couple of games. They've, they've upset some pretty high-ranking sides now. Mm. Geelong, Geelong indeed, yeah. Yeah, at the start of the season. Obviously, Melbourne at the weekend. They've come close in a few other games as well. The one that they come comes to mind was Hawthorne in Tasmania. They were very close in that one yeah, as well. They, they stuffed that game up big time though. But um, so I, I still find it confusing that people thought that they were that they were rubbish last year. They weren't that bad. I know they sucked early and for the first dozen games and it was a weird record, okay? It sounds stupid, but they weren't that bad a side last year, even some, in the first half of the season. No, sometimes you get that. You get sides that, that really struggle for wins but are better than what the, the record shows, mm. I, I think. And, and I, 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 yeah, no, and I think Adelaide sort of. I think I, I think Adelaide's 
performance last year at the end of the season was it was a better reflection of, of where they were at. Maybe not totally accurate, but they they if they went zero and seventeen, I thought that would have mm. been a bit harsh. Mm. It's tricky though with us though. If you look at it at the other end of the spectrum, you know, the dogs were we're in a as Damien Barrett would say, you know, there's trouble at the kennel, and you know we haven't beaten anyone above us on the ladder yet, so it's it's really, really <laughs> tough times as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, how do, how do they expect to win finals if they can't beat teams above them on the ladder? That's, <laughs> another, that's another thing too. Apparently, Actually, I think with against teams that aren't in the eight, don't hold me to this, I think that's the statistic, uh, we're averaging 127 points against teams outside the eight this season. That is pretty good. That's nuts. Although that is nuts. We did beat Collingwood when they were ahead of us alphabetically on the ladder to, to start the season. That is true. That's true. We were wooden spooners without even playing a game. Yeah. And so we've started from the bottom. Now we're up. You know, yeah. now we're here. At the top. This is one of the greatest sort of, football stories ever seen. This is this is rag, rags to riches. Um <laughs> let's get let's get straight into it. We've we've done enough gloating about past weeks. Uh let's get straight into the most the most recent past week at Marvel Stadium. This was so just let's what, let's just go. Wasn't there a game on the weekend? There was a game on the weekend. Are you sure um, about that? Now I'm going to go. Well, maybe not a competitive match, but there was a game on the weekend. <laughs> so I did say we're not going to go too far back. But 11 games ago, Bulldogs lost to St Kilda in elimination final by three points. Hmm. On Saturday, a, lot, uh, yeah. a 114 point swing. 114. I like, I like how you did mention though. As much as it hurts, the fact that you stated the dogs lost to St. Kilda more so than the Saints defeated us, because that was a very much a self-inflicted loss. A lot of last year was mostly self-inflicted too for our own entire course of the season. And you know, many people were disappointed with, with that final last year. You got they can track back to, yeah. We didn't even do an episode on that, didn't we? We just did the reviews. We didn't do episodes. Imagine, imagine if we imagine if we did a podcast on that. Yeah. It would have no, been record-breaking uh, in terms of disaster and destruction, and oh god, who knows what might have happened? Might have been but, the um, first. No. Might have been the first PG episode we recorded. PG, at least oh, there would have been a bit. There would have been a bit more than jokes that day. I tell you, um, no. So 114 point swing around. You mentioned yes. Yeah, so yeah, it was a pretty comfortable win. I mean, to be fair, you know, um, it was a it was a bit nervous when the Saints got the, the roll on in the 25th minute mark of the fourth quarter, but it's. it's Still left a lot to be desired. So 21, 18, 144. GT could, could have been even bigger, the margin. Five, I, I think that's two of the top four high scores this season that we've kicked, or two of the top five. See, I'll have to check that because I thought that I thought oh, we've got we've got both the, the or the top two highest scores for the season. I think we now. do have the top two. We do have the top two, I believe. I think Essendon have got one point short of us. And record another, another match there. Records continue to tumble. 20, 21, 18, 144 against uh, undermanned St. Kilda, according to certain individuals on, online. Uh, 5, 3, 33. I'm not, I mean, maybe maybe undermanned in terms of footballing ability. <laughs> That's very not not, not in terms oh, of God. an injury list. Please, I don't do know. We, a... we may have to fact check that one. Uh, but I, I'm, 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 oh, according I'm... to Lee Montagna, we haven't got really much anyone else. Okay. So, well, I'll, I'll, I've got a, got a list I want to read out to you there. Uh, but first, before we read out that list, I want to read out the list of the goal kickers and leading disposal getters because I'm going to need to probably take a breath or two here at some point. I think you can do it in order. Just do, they do it in order. Liberatore, Dale, Hunter, Whiteman, Bontempelli, Bruce, Bruce, 
Smith, Dale Bont, Norton, Bont, <laughs> Whiteman, Norton, 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 Hannon, Bruce, Johannesson, Bont and Pally, Norton. That's a, not a bad list as well there too. Oh, don't, don't tell me. But just in case you missed all of that or, or some of it, Norton with uh, five goals, uh, Bont and Pally with an equal career high four, uh, Josh, Bruce, three goals from four kicks. Bailey Dale, again, when he gets one goal, he gets two goals. So he got a, he deals another, brace, in duos, mate. another brace for himself. Uh, Cody Waitman with two, just add him to the reel. Liberatore, Hunter, Rourke, Smith, Hannon, the Hannon Cannon, and Johannesson each getting a goal. Jackson McRae led the way again, another 30-plus disposal game, but this time he, he, he raised the bar a bit to 41 disposals. Bailey Dale with a career-high 34, I think it was. I've written 33. Mm-hmm. I think it was 34 in the end. Liberatore with 31. AFL player ratings actually, um, whether how how highly you want to um, you want to rate their information, their data, the best game Liberatore's ever played, according to them, at the weekend. And, and to top yours too, to add to that, apparently it's the first time since Adelaide defeated Essendon in 2017 that there has been three players that received ratings greater than 25 points. And those names, they were Bontempelli, Liberatore, and Bailey Dale. So I would, I believe so. I've got to double check the uh, the Dale one, but definitely those two. But that's uh, that's incredible. Seriously, Bontempelli, Daniel, and Smith, Bailey Smith. This is each picked up twenty six. Bontempelli with another perfect game according to the coaches. He got ten votes. He also picked up a ten votes for the uh, Salty Bulldog player ratings. Bailey Dale. It was Dale. It was Dale for the, as Dale? the third player, followed by Johannesson and then Keith. Keith's the top five. Uh, Dale with six votes, revelation off the back flank. Norton with five votes, Liberatore with four, Alex Keith with three, and the first coach's votes of his career to to this man. And if uh, you want to ask me if Jordan Sweet can get coach's votes, I'll tell you that Sweet, Sweet, Sweet can. Oh God, that's brilliant. Two votes for two votes for him. That was it's been quite a rise for Jordan Sweet. See. It has, but he's he's caught on pretty quickly. I know I touched on him too last week, or we wanted to touch on him a bit more. But um, because I raised the point that we only know that Steph Martin's got a one-year deal, and it might have a bit of it. I think he's got a trigger, of course, for a second, mm-hmm. but most of that will be a, as a coaching role. Um, did we touch on it last week about the the future of the ruck role at the club, and or did we not? We touched on a lot of things over over the episodes. That's a very, that that's a very fair point. <laughs> so okay, all right. After all seeing bit- what's happened. Yeah, disjointed. After seeing what's happened and how he's started uh, brightly, you know, he's 23. You know, he's older than English, but, you know, far more raw. Do you think that the number one rock stocks, uh, you know, they, they look okay, regardless of, you know, Steph coming back into the side or even from next year, as I say, potentially a, a depth player, coaching, coaching role? And to add to that, there's also the fleeting talks of, another father-son prospect coming through in, in the form of Sam Darcy, obviously Luke's kid. We've spoken about him a couple of times. He's a, he's a ruckman as well. Certainly what not in the 200, 201. Or was he one ninety seven ish? I've got, the numbers. Uh, yeah, well, I've got blank I've, on the numbers, but it's one of them too. I've got a different number altogether then. So no, oh. I'm not sure. Oh, what have you that. got? I've got two or three. Maybe you're right. I mean, I'll, 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 we'll take it. By the end of this week, he'll be seven foot three. So that's okay. <laughs> He's probably more of an English ruckman though than a uh, than a Martin or, or a Sweet. Certainly doesn't have. Mm. Certainly, certainly needs to fill out. Uh, but. He's only a kid. We give him time. So there's another one to potentially come through uh, by the end of the season. I'm, I'm happy with the the ruck stocks, and I've I've been quite um, I've been quite impressed with Sweet's rise over the, over the past 
a couple of years. And I've said it, I've said it a thousand times when I was first watching his tapes of him as a ruckman, I thought he was, he was not going to get anywhere near selection at, at the Bulldogs. It was, it was pretty much a break glass in case of emergency type option. It didn't fit the mold of what a beverage ruckman looks like. He's, improved his game to such an extent since and he's he's working the the midfield I've, I've got the numbers written down somewhere well i think he had six tackles at the weekend and it might have been, four, been about four clearances I four clearances so. six tackles six marks they're good numbers they're good numbers for someone who's only in his fifth game i think it is mm. he's exceptionally combative though and it's probably it complements what our midfield is especially you know with the likes of Flipper and Miller, you know, there's a couple of us that aren't there at the moment, being you know Dunkley and and now of course Trelaw. But in terms of the the inside grunt, he really fits that perfectly, doesn't he? It's sort of like a it's it's a, it's a strange combination that we haven't yet seen, but it'll happen this week. Touchwood being English and sweet, you know, you've got the the crash and bash, uh, crash and bash, sorry, and then you've got the the finesse and sort of technical class that English provides there when they're rotating in the ruck. It's very contrasting styles, but it seems like it's a perfect balance at the same time, I'd say. When I when we saw, uh, we only saw the Bulldogs play one game last year, and it was the practice match against North at Marvel Stadium. Uh, Bruce didn't kick 10 that day, uh, surprisingly. But Lewis Young got three, didn't he, though? Lewis, yeah, Lewis Young got three which is, you know, I suppose it's a little bit embarrassing in itself considering he's still yet to kick an AFL goal. But anyway, I, and, I, and that was the first time I, we saw Sweet and, and we saw the partnership with English. And, and the phrase I used to describe it afterwards was if the, the English is the brains of the ruck department and George Sweet is the brawn. I don't want to disrespect either of them, but certainly English, as, as you say, has that more sort of finesse, less subtle approach to the ruck craft and, and his ability to cover the ground. But certainly Sweet's got the frame to, to charge his way through and uh, harbors no concerns over crashing through a couple of bodies, which is, is an encouraging sign. It's not just that too. He's generally like what we couldn't say with, with Stefan Arson, of course, as a pure ruckman, but it looks like that Sweet's... Definitely got a good pair of hands in him, doesn't he? Well, as I said, six marks. Yeah, he's got it. Not just that too, but it's just a, it's the way that he probably positions himself to in those marks. The marks are, are what they are, but whether it's the strength to, to throw his opponent aside or to be able to wrestle at least and not be convincingly beaten in the air too. Like the mark he took um, you know, in the dying stages of the Port Adelaide game before, you know, Whiteman kicked that ripper, for instance, or a, a couple of those opportunities. It seems like he's... It seems like he's rather settled, even when he has to to go forward, too. I'm not saying he's like an intercepting type Ruckman like English is, of course. That's a long way off. But it's good to have Ruckman. It's good to have tools that can take a mark above the head that aren't just, you know, full forward. Yeah. Because we've got it all over the place now. We've got a lot of weapons. It's a nice change of pace, isn't it? I mean, it really is. From the days of five smalls and Adam Morgan yeah. in the forward line. Yeah, and bombing <laughs> it to the midget line. The midget, that midget forward line was deadly, though, to be fair. It was, but, um, but it wasn't... It wasn't uh, that wasn't no, amazing it wasn't conducive. forward line still. Yeah, it was. Um, I know we've spoken about Sweet, because I know we mentioned last week the little word he had to the crowd as, as he went in to, to take that kick that led to, to Waitman's goal. Uh, I know he definitely mentioned that. I know you're also someone, Nick. You, you've you've very you've got a very very astute knowledge of the, of the game, of the teams, of, of opposition teams as well. I know you're, you're very knowledgeable. 
And I know as well, you've got a tendency in these sorts of games to to walk away from it and tell me that you've learned that you learned nothing after quarter time, or that there's nothing you can take away from the game, even though we won by by hundred points. What about this time though? Because I know you learned nothing after twenty one in a row against Essendon. No, you said you learned you you, you learned nothing against North. You've, you admitted that. I think you certainly you admitted that on the podcast. I still I still figured. Uh, figured out my five points on that game, to be fair. Somehow. But my God, it was yeah, somehow. And this week I found it a fair bit easier, actually. Well, what did so, you what did you take away? Was there any, any any aspects of the game or the setup or any particular player that, that you wanted to, to make mention of that, that you've gone away thinking, <clears throat> well, you've, your perception has, or you've, mm. you've found out something. You've discovered something. Mm. I think the player, of course, you're alluding to is Johansson. But I want to just touch on something else before we sing a fair bit of praise to him. And we've got to give him plenty of respect, no doubt. Um, I found a couple of interesting things for one. Now, leading up for the first half uh, or for the first six games of this year, we had a lot of, you know, changes throughout to the lineup, you know, um, the better part of 20 or so um, rotations going through. And I made note of that in my round eight, five things we learned. But since then, you know, the past three to four games, there's still been a bit of, how would I say, disruption in the lineup but still also at the same time, strange enough that the team's playing a lot more settled. They've sort of become accustomed to this, to this rotation, whether it's forced or unforced. They're they necessary changes. Settled, like they are necessary. Um, so they're injuries. So last week there was only the mm. two changes, but they were both Indeed. due to injury. No, um, but that's the thing though, regardless of that though, because I was wondering, and I think I mentioned it to you or maybe potentially to someone else, um, the Port Adelaide game, I feel this was actually to someone else though, that I wasn't exactly fussed, first of all, whether we, whether we did win or did we not, because I wanted to see us play the brand of football that I know we were capable of. I would have been satisfied regardless of the result, seeing that happen. And obviously, of course, um, we got the four points for that match, but we played the way that we know that we can. And it was very reminiscent to the early season form, you know, where there was a lot of cohesion and the chemistry was right there with the team. There was a lot of, um, how would I say, you knew your teammate was going to be in the spot before he was even there. You know, that type of connection that the, that the players had. And it looked like it was back on the week. And that was probably the most pleasing thing for me that I, that I saw out of, um, the, out of the win. And, and that, the means, that means, naturally, that there's, of course, a lot more trust once again within the group, despite there being in all the swapping and changing through the lineup, forced or unforced. And so that is the most important part of it because we know Beveridge is huge on team trust and, and you know, believing in each other and that's why they play a system you know the team defense and that's what you get from these types of matches here too whether it's a shellacking or not but i'd expect to see the same thing over the over the course of you know the next half a dozen matches regardless of the the strength of our opponents or not because i've already seen enough to say that yeah this this is a side that definitely and forget the nine one record this is a side that certainly can win the whole thing Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Certainly. Yeah. Because this past two weeks, especially that Port game, it's not that I don't rate Port highly, but obviously they're much harder not to crack in Adelaide than oh, anywhere yeah. else. And we, you, still, and we were able to get them. Look, even it doesn't matter. It, I think it doesn't matter where an interstate side is on the ladder. Going over there and beating them is hard. Mm. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter where they are on the ladder, whether they're first or last. Interstate wins are valued so highly by Victorian clubs mm. because they're just so hard to walk away from and get wins. 
they really are big deals. And that was a massive, massive win against Port Adelaide. In, because in whether whether you, whether you rate them or not, they they are in the hat for a top four spot, without mm-hmm. a shadow of a doubt. And any interstate side that's that's in that race is going to be hard to beat on their home deck. Mm-hmm. Oh, you'd much rather play them, of course, at your own venue or a neutral venue. But yes, yeah, absolutely, no, it was, it was an impressive was an impressive win. But I think that's the sort of fire, here we go, Dwayne Russell, uh, the fire starter to to push things along. And you're, you've got a of course, the secret meaning for the Dwayne Russell thing. That's for another time, I think. But um, I think we'll actually jump to who we intended to discuss, uh, JJ. So we're very, very pleased with how his season's come along. A very encouraging, after being dropped. A very encouraging mm. fortnight. So mm. Johannesson, rightly or wrongly, has been a malign player, I think, amongst the fan base. So maybe not a malign player, but one who's divided opinion. He's certainly not the only one. We know what his best is capable of. His best is capable of winning a Norm Smith medal. It's gallivanting off the halfback line, winning 30, 35 plus possessions, it's, kicking it's the ball 50 meters. Yeah, you're, charging you're 30. always drawn yeah. to him. That's his best. His his worst, or yeah, his his worst can be um, can leave a lot to be desired. And we've seen mm. at times in the past few years uh, a, him being unable to match the expectations and and I, th- and I think the only reason that he is judged the way he is is because we know what he can do we've seen what he is capable of off the back flank and it's mm-hmm. and it's been inconsistent for several years and we know that the bulldogs have decided this year that they're done playing games they're done sort of sticking fat with with selections um, we've seen players who, who played for the majority of last year who, who we thought have, have hit a bit of a, a dry patch with form who might need to, to spend a couple of weeks in the, well, I'd say the reserves. It wasn't much of a reserves last year. There are a few players who played a lot of games and, and I think the message had been made clear over the summer that if you weren't going to be at the top of your game, you were going to struggle. And we've seen instances of a, all over the place. It took Cordy a month and a half to get into the side. It took Johannesson a month to get into the side. Uh, Richards is, will start of the season in the reserves. He's, he's still injured. And these were guys that played just about every game last year. Mitch Wallace was the leading goal kicker. He was out after two rounds. The selectors, even, even technically Bruce too, I'm sure they would have only given him maybe a month's saving grace for this season. Possibly, last yeah. Year. Admittedly, admittedly, you know, he came back in, in much better shape. Yeah. But, you know, that's still, that's preseason. But, this yeah, is every, everyone, season proper. everyone has the best preseason ever. Because mm, so I Sean Higgins apparently every year. You can, yeah, you can, you can have the best preseason on the planet, but if, if you can't translate it into numbers on field, then it's mm. not it's not worth as much. But yeah, Bruce is certainly another one. We, we spoke about it when we were doing our best 22. We say probably start, but he'll he'd be in the team early. Yeah. He's got yeah, to play I'll well. Notice. Yeah, he's got to play well. Like there's a, there's a little asterisk there that if, all right, if you're not going to, if we're going to see what we saw last year, you're not going to last, you're not going to survive till round 17 this time around. You're going to find yourself out. Johannesson was one of those players, started in the reserves, came in in round four of that, uh, no, round three, sorry, the round, the, the Good Friday game. Was that round three? Or was, was he, round was four? he the young? And a good Friday game was round three. Was he the unused sub in the round two game? Or yes, he, he was. He was unused. Yes, he, he was a sub, okay. but he yep. was unused. The medical sub. He's, he's come in and he's recently been forced to change his role. He's had to reinvent himself. Um, 
as a small forward and he, he struggled for a bit because he's done this before he's played in this sort of role and it's not brought a lot of success. It's been probably there's been times over the past, well, since 2017, really, that he's played this sort of role. The last two weeks, we've seen some very encouraging performances from him. I said last week, we touched on Johansson very, very briefly last week, last week, but I said his performance against Port Adelaide, 12 disposals, two goals, eight score involvements. That's the blueprint for a Johannesson, of a good Johansson game. No longer is a good Johansson game, 25 disposals off the back flank. It's now a low possession, high impact style. But based on that too, it's the fact that he's still able to retain a spot in the lineup despite the, you know, the version of low production, still speaks a volume of that internally. He's still rated extremely highly that the club values what he can do. Even if there's, you know, going through the rough patches, it's the fact is we still know you're good enough. We still want you in our best side. We know you're in the best side. You know, you just have to prove it once again. So the fact that, not just for JJ too, but the fact is Beveridge has been able to, to not it's not a masterstroke, yet, the, the, the Dale moves a masterstroke, but to give a, a new lease of life to, to JJ, who if, you know, if he had to, you know, be played down back, say if there was another half a dozen injuries or another syndesmosis to, you know, X, Y, Z, um, and he'd be able to fill that role. But it's it's much harder to be able to turn from, you know, rebounding defender to small forward than vice versa. Yeah. You know, it's much harder to become, ironically, you know, you go from hunting the ball to, you know, becoming the hunter per se at the same time. It's a bit weird with the terminology I've used there, but it, it's strange your mentality has to change, you know, you're the one that has to create that pressure instead of always looking over your shoulder. The hardest position on the ground for the general sized player is that half forward role. I'd say the hardest position on the ground to find a good player for and to thrive in is center forward. And I think that's always been the case. If you get a good center, if you've got a good center half forward, you, you become a much, much better side. It makes such a big difference having a good center half forward. But in terms of a general position that, that most people, you know, are physically structured, structured to play, it's that high half forward role. And that's something that we've struggled really to have. And I know they've brought in, they've brought in Cody Waitman, who looks fantastic. We'll talk a little bit about Waitman a bit more, but Johannesson's the other one. And, and he's, he's the difference between a, a good game for, for the, a good game for a player and and again leaves a bit to be desired i think is the extra five percent i refer to it as the extra five percent and it's that and the extra five percent is when it's your turn to go you just got to put in that little bit more and 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 the and there's a couple of instances there's the chase down mm-hmm. and then the chase down again against dan butler which is I which is was in the second brilliant. term it's that's the second term. that's probably the would you say that's probably the the tackle of the year, probably across the board, across the competition. Would you say that at least is in the top minimum, you know, top 10 tackles, and would you push that higher? I think uh, yeah. Bailey Bailey Smith's tackle on, was it, was it Brad Hill? The dump tackle was pretty good. I did enjoy that. Although I had that sort of heart and mouth moment of, oh, is it going to be a dangerous tackle? Is he going to hit the ground? That was a good tackle. But the Johannesson one for effort, I think, I think Bailey Smith gets, gets points for style and aggression. Johannesson's is off effort. And it's it's the, and if that it's that extra five percent where if that's not there that chase isn't made and then the repeat chase isn't made and the tackle isn't laid so kill to go forward, and there was another instance in the second term which I know you you were all over at halftime 
And we will we'll have. I, I loved it. it. We just were trying to wonder who the heck it was. But we definitely spotted it. Didn't so we, both of us. Go 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 through it with me, Nick, because I'm sure you'll have seen it on the on the replay. Oh, don't tell me you haven't seen uh, it on the replay. No, no. Unfortunately, I've been too busy doing some other duties, but I'll be able to provide some commentary if you want, or, or some okay, additional so, analysis. So, so the ball's in the middle of the ground, and it was intended for Johannesson, but it's not quite got to him. He's, I think it's it's just just passed him, and he slipped into the ground, and, and it looks lost. And it's a one-on-three in the middle. Now, Johannesson's got up, and he's he's got a hand to the ball, and he's just tapped it in front of him, just a fraction, and I'm not sure who he's got it out to, uh, but who, whoever did get the ball... It, might have been liberal, I'm not sure. But whoever's whoever's got the ball has then kicked it into the forward line to a one-on-one. Josh Bruce has had his arms chopped. He gets the free kick. He kicks the goal. This is about 10 minutes into the second term, and it takes the the, the uh, margin. You I know you've got it here. Two. I was it, gonna find it again. So it takes the margin two, from, from two, uh, 41 mm. to 13 to 47 to 13. Indeed. Yep. So uh, a made, solid potential 12 point swing if yeah. it goes the other way. And so, that and that you reckon killed off the game. That was the game there. I, I reckon that's the moment for sure. I certainly, I know you weren't with me at the time. Um, you were enjoying apparently um, a few ladies seeing uh, the siren or something like that, whatever it was, seeing particular tunes. And I can just see your face right now. You're looking very sad. Oh, got it well wrong, Nicholas. Anyway, carry on. Oh, good God, it was terrifying. From what you mentioned, anyhow. But no, that's definitely the moment of the game that says, yeah. This, this is it, boys. This will, this will do it. And then it's time to, to rub it in. And it, it's strange to say that, you know, when yeah. the match was only 10 minutes into the second term, it's only 39 minutes old, the actual game itself. And the game went for um, 125 minutes long, just under, just under 125 minutes long. And for that to only be roughly a third of the way through and to have that probably as the moment that slams the door is is very good considering the way we've been rocking up throughout first quarters too. That's another bit of history. Um, so first side of 92 years to have won 10 consecutive opening uh, quarters. We forgot to mention so, as well, this is the first time in history that the Bulldogs have won multiple games by hundred points in the same season. So obviously the game good. against, obviously the game against North Melbourne on Good Friday and then at the weekend. Mm-hmm. It's also our best ever ladder percentage from round 10 or later in, in a VFL slash AFL so it's 161.91 uh, round 10 2021 next best was 141.69% all the way back in round 17 1953 uh, we've got a couple of these years 1955 seems to feature quite prominently here so we've got three years in 1955 uh, that's rounds 11 sorry, rounds 10, 11, and 12, which were 139, 140, and 141%. And of course, middle 2010, round 18 and 19, 141 and 140. So that's from uh, our great mate, Sir Swamping. He's a, he's a genius, isn't he, he that man? He is, he is very good, Sir Swamping. It's the second time a bulldog has outscored the opposition this season as well. Indeed it is. It's, we could have had a third player though, because you think you made a note of it too. There were three one-point wins on the... On the weekend or such. Two one-point wins. So there was Adelaide oh. against Melbourne and Aaron Norton against St Kilda. Oh, you've also missed Port Power. Oh, no, I'll say that. Yeah, Port uh, Power, yes. Of Port course, against the Pies. Yeah, you can't so call the them Port Pies Power. versus the Magpies. But there was, who, there, was, the, there was one player who was about to outscore St Kilda and they got a late goal and prevented it from happening. Yeah. 
St. Kilda. Really disappointing thanks, effort. Thanks, thanks for ruining it. But I want to talk about this guy because we need to talk, about, we need to talk about this Please. guy. Marcus Bontempelli. Now, Marcus Bontempelli, we could talk about it for now, for the entire hour, every episode. And I don't think we would get tired of it. And to be frank, we I don't get tempted to do that. Actually, we can consider that down the track during the bar. We have po- nothing to do that week. So. Possibly, possibly. We may come up with a couple of other things, but possibly we could talk about this guy for forever. That, that much is real. And I don't think our fans would care too much about it either. Um, but we try to refrain from him because we want to pay credit to, to players like Jordan Sweet and Johannesson, who, who may not get that recognition automatically. But Bontempelli, we need to talk about him and the medal that they call. Chaz, we need to talk about the Brownlow medal and and po- and have it possibly being around Bontempelli's neck mm. September this year, Nick. Mm. Like we, now we, we this, is, this is not a pipe dream. This is not a pipe no, dream. Not at all. Not at all. This is a we genuine possibility. The, too. the history of the club have won a Brownlow medal in every decade. So just hold me true to that. So what was it? Since our, um, so, uh, our Alan, Hopkins in, in, Alan Hopkins in 1930. Uh, Norm mm-hmm. Ware, who's the only captain coach to win the Brownlow Medal in 1941. Peter mm-hmm. Box is the only 56. player, 56, the only uh, Bulldog player to have the Premiership Brownlow and Best and Fairest trifecta. Uh, John Schultz mm-hmm. won it. In, John Schultz won it in 1960. I think that was only his third season at the club. That's correct. Uh, Gary Dempsey won it in 1975. Mm-hmm. Kelvin Templeton won it in 1980. Brad Hardy in 1985, Tony Indeed. Libertore in 1990, Scott Wind in 1992. A lot of Ruckman winning Brownlows for us, actually. That's three that I can mm. think of, possibly four. Um, yes, four. And Adam Cooney and course, in 2008. And unfortunately, so, the no, didn't happen last decade. Yeah, so we made up for it in the 90s with two, though, there. Yep. But the thing and is, in the 80s with two. It's, and the 80s with two, of course. So we Okay, so pretty much we're due to win one then in, uh, what, 2040 instead? You can make up for the for the 10s and the 20s. So, But the thing is, look, this is a as much as we don't like to highlight individual accolades because this is a team sport, and we've actually had some really good sides. We're, I'm very positive with a lot of things about the club, but you've still got to give praise to that. And the fact that potentially another award could be heading down our way at the kennel in that front and just speaks volumes about the the way that we're able to produce top-end talent. And that's something that the club's never had any issues with, being able to create such players that, um, no. you know, that can that can shape an entire club or an, an era, for instance, you know. And it's it's testament to them and it's testament to the playing group that we've got and, and the way that they've gone about it. And, and likewise, Bond too. I sort of think, other than... Um, the introduction of Joel Selwood to the Cats for the 2007 season and Chris Judd for the 2002 season at West Coast. I don't think I've ever seen a player shape the fortunes of a football club in terms of my lifetime, yeah. um, bar those two guys other than Marcus Bontempelli. Well, in terms of a club, no one. In terms trans- of a club, in terms no of one's where they're trying to get it. to. No, no not one's transformed it like Bontempelli has. Yeah. No, not in Bond, is almost Bontempelli has almost changed the way that club is perceived. It's Indeed gone it from it's gone from a, a perennial battler that would have a couple of years at the top and then spend eight years down the bottom hmm. into a consistent contender over not a sustained period of time. Not just that too. It's the idea of us being seen as a as a marketable club. You know, people know our players. 
not just you know neutrals galore. You know, people yeah. know the likes of you know, this is Bailey Smith. People know the likes of Ah oh, Hayden Crows, a very underrated player. People know Bailey Dale now. People know Bailey Williams. They know all these other names. They're not just you know the fellows that you expect to know. And I remember that being a major talking points um, on a on a different podcast. I remember listening to in the back end of 2014 saying, "There's no one there at the club that." you know, screams, you know, we're the face of the future, that type of stuff. And at the time I was bewildered, thinking like, you know, you've got McCray, you've got Bonds, you've got String, you've got all those Dalhouse names. Dalhouse at the time. Dalhouse was probably the biggest of the of those of those of that next generation then. Indeed. But that's the thing. There was the idea of excitement and creativity wasn't there, which I found bewildering considering those names. But to be fair, um there wasn't a lot of proof in the pudding for them you know it was still flashes of brilliance and you know not much else at the yeah. time but the that was that, that was what that was what they were selling that's what they were that selling that was what they then. were selling we just now, needed to put a big price on it and now we have so what Bontempelli's arrival has done has has changed the club to a point well I won't say to all Bontempelli but Bontempelli's arrival and impact of the club has coincided with the club being able to keep good players being able to keep young, impressive, talented players with potential. And this is the big one. This is the major filler. Be able to bring in elite talent from other clubs. This this Adam Trelaw trade is so, so significant in, in the club's trajectory. It's it's more it's more than just a big name player. It's more than just a big trade. It signifies a change, Nick. We've spoken about it before. This is this is the best player the Bulldogs have ever traded. This is the this is the best player the Bulldogs have ever traded in. Mm. And it's for, yeah, forget it's for the a couple idea of, of the, the trade cost. Forget yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. It is the what yeah, you know, like the that. value value for money, all of that. We have never brought in a player this good at this point in their career. We've brought in players like Akamanis and, and Barry Hall, who were very good players for us and provided excellent service, but were not at their best. They were past their prime. Adam Trelaw is the first player that, and we, we've gone way off track. I'm going to go back here. Adam Trelaw is the first player that we've brought in who's got the talent that he has at the stage of the career that he has. And we've never done this before. We've never brought in a player of a, that has oh, that, that magnitude. No. Yeah. This is, this is, this is a change. Mm. And this is and why they want to change the, the academy mm. rules and the, and the father-son rules. It's, it's not just that. Too. I'm going to go off on a little, not a big tangent, but just the same thing too. You're talking about the magnitude there and it all coincides with it too, doesn't it? The fact is that points last year in the trade period to not only take, you know, supposedly one Victorian powerhouse to town, but to take two of them. Two with, uh, with right? Dunkley. To stand up to Essendon and, you know, in previous seasons, we bent over and, you know, got handed to it with the stringer trade when other clubs might have potentially not backed themselves to, to, to fix him up, but at least said, look, we want to get value. Okay. Yeah. And we let it go. Okay. And that was fine. Okay. Cause it's apparently made the group happy. So, you know, we, we lived on with it but to take them to town and hold firm, not bow, not bend over. And at the same time, have another club do that in Collingwood really screams the fact that, were trying to really shake it up with the big boys, not just in you know, in in bark, but bites as well. Mm. And we've got one hell of a bite now. The Bonzapelli back on the back on the brown low. Because I want to talk about this. 
I've gone through the I've, I've gone through the I've gone through the games and we what we've played 10 games already this season. I've got Bontempelli on 15 votes at the moment. And I think we we spoke about this after we the discussed match this. I'll, yep. I'll agree with you. So I, I could say 14 maybe but 15 definitely is the best case. So no votes against Collingwood in round 1. No. Three votes against West Coast in round 2. Uh, yep. 30 disposals, three goals. 18 and a goal against North in round three, nothing there. 21 no. against Brisbane in round four, nothing there. He had 28 disposals against Collingwood in round one, by the way. 33 and three against Gold Coast in round five. Yep. That's three votes. 26 and a goal against the Giants in round six. I'd say no. Uh, 26 against Richmond in round seven, no. 32 and a goal in the last quarter against Carlton in round eight. There's three. 26 and two against Port Adelaide in round nine. I'd say there's another three. And 26 and a equal career high four goals against St. Kilda on the weekend. There's another three. So nine votes in the last three games. I've and I've got him with another with another two lots of three votes. Is is there anything, any in that one that you disagree with? Because that's 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 15 there. So it's just the five three vote games, nothing else. Are there any where you you are those where you go, I don't know, I don't know. I'm trying to think potentially that I mentioned maybe 14, 15 max, 14 minimum. I'm still trying to wonder with the Port Adelaide match if there had been someone else that had topped him. I looked through potentially it. Potentially liver, potentially liver, but that's about it. Other than that, 14 to 15 is, is well on the hunt. And you wouldn't think of too many players in the competition that would be ahead of him at that stage. You know, obviously everyone loves Petrarca at the moment and, and, Truth be told, um, and, tr- and fair to them, that uh, Lockie Neal's going to start to come with a bit of steam. You know, he's probably picked up nine Lockie votes Neal. in the last three or four matches. Lockie Neal hasn't played the last three or four matches. You're thinking Someone of McCluggage. No, not McCluggage. I'm trying to remember what they've gone on. I remember reading something earlier today, but um, I'll take your word for it. McCluggage, though, don't see Brown, though, for him, but he's having an amazing year. He's a Ballarat boy. Bring him, bring him back to the West. We'll work, we'll work on yeah, it. We've got a, we've got a few players that are that. coming in. So so McCluggage is going to join. Is he going to? He's, he's going to join Nick Cox. He's going to join Fisher Mackesy. Yeah, even though we signed a new deal, but it doesn't matter. It's just uh, <laughs> leverage. Just leverage. <laughs> I'm sure there was another name that, that we've mentioned in the past few weeks. How many does Bonzamelli need to win? You mentioned thirty plus, didn't you? I said on. to you on Saturday that within five years, someone is going to win this thing with forty votes. Some somebody's going to get thirty-five votes, and they're not going to—they're not even going to win the award. Someone will win it with forty votes within five years. I don't think that will be this year. And I say because no, Lockie, Lockie Neal got thirty-one votes in seventeen matches last year. Nine in another five, mm. he could have easily managed. So we're getting closer to forty votes to win mm. the Brownlow, but it won't happen this year. Do you think thirty will be enough? That's quickly because we really got to move on. Yes, yes, I would say so. I would suggest so especially considering there's a lot of players that will be taking votes, not just off him, but all over the place. But yeah, 30 seems a very safe bet. Not just because it's how it is, but generally for this year, yeah. 15 in 12, we'll keep track of that. Indeed. Uh, now, some injury news, unfortunately, because you know it wouldn't be a week of the Western Bulldogs without some key player being out for an extended period of time. Uh, Adam Trelaw with a syndesmosis injury. It's our word of the week, syndesmosis, uh, brought to you by the Western Bulldogs. Suffering syndesmosis, in- want while rabbit, yeah. suffering syndesmosis injury since 2016. So, Amtralor caught injured. Uh, it wasn't too serious because he went off and then he came back on and then he's gone off again and now it's going to be six to eight weeks, uh, unfortunately. There will be a buy in that though. So, really, that's that's five to seven games. But 
Yeah, that, that will be a significant loss. He will return at about the same time as his best mate, Josh Dunkley, which will be, I that will be fantastic. I think he'll be back mate. sooner though, personally. Than Dunkley? A bit sooner. Yeah, but before Dunkley. Not that Dunkley's not professional enough because he's done a lot of work already. He's already trimmed his um, recovery time off by about, what, two, two, two three, three weeks? weeks? I think he's already trimmed it off. I expect Trelaw to probably at least do a minimum one to two short on okay. that. Because so, uh, he's had a lot of practice with this uh, syndesmosis ankle injuries. So, yeah, I'd say so. The Dutchman, Latham Vandermeer, he's going to have surgery to repair some cartilage damage. Well, I'm not sure when he sustained that because it was back spasms for about a month. I believe now he's got knee surgery. Training. training. I believe it so he's, he will, he'll have surgery. His uh, time frame has not yet been established, but we'll know more about that. And we'll be sure to let you know when we find out or, or when the club announces it. So be sure to check um, our social media pages. Uh, Anthony Scott suffered a head knock at the weekend, didn't play in the last quarter. He'll be monitored. I don't think he's been concussed. Um, no, so no, think, not from what they've mentioned. No, though. so I, I think there's still the possibility for him to play this week. Tim English, I think you said Nick is finally set to return um, this week as well to the AFL. I think, I think they even spoke about it earlier today too. But uh, I believe so, yes, quite quite confident. The club is very happy with the progress, even from up till Friday night. And, you know, if the game might have been, say, a Sunday, might have even found himself lining up. But, uh, yeah, Toby so McLean. Close. Toby McLean is, to return to the VFL. This is some great news. Fantastic this is fantastic. News there. Yeah, this is great. This is great. Because it was taught he was probably not going to play at all this year. And now halfway during the season, he, he's playing at, at quite a high level of football. I wonder, because oh, he's there's a few spots there opening up for him too, and he adds another bit mm. of creative, creative forward half class, doesn't he? It's where the, it's how they want to use him. It's how they want to use him because they can use him in a few different spots. They, they he was playing a bit of a run with role at times last year, and he made a very good name for himself doing that. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to say he took like a duck to water, but I probably won't use that in particular analogy with uh, with McLean. Oh, no, 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 don't, don't. Oh, God, I don't even think about it till then because I'll, I'll still think he's cops a bad rap for that. I know some of them, you know, are ducking, but what it is. It's more like it ducking no, under the tackle rather than ducking for the free kick. I think there is mm, a difference. I think I'm, I'm all right with players ducking underneath the tackle mm. because it's, 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 it's just, it's just dropping a, the knees. It's one thing. If they're raising the technique. arm, yeah. it's, yeah, it's dropping the knees is one thing compared to raising the arm. Raising the arm is to protect their head. Dropping the knees is to play for the free. Hello, Luke Shuey. Um, on top of that, just a very, very, very brief mention, of course. We've got a new, uh, what is it, um, jumper sponsor on the back, CoinSpot. Yes, we do. Now, uh, obviously, the, we put out a, a little tweet yes. um, a few weeks ago, the Salty Bulldog, suggesting that we may actually be, you know, a decent sponsor. We've got a, we've got a good colour scheme. We'd be happy to do it for minimal cost. Or, or you know whatever sort of charges uh the fact that that's been declined though we we uh, won't be making any further comment at this we'll, point in time no we'll just have to have conversations with our management and yep. uh, proceed to further options down the track we'll be hearing from from you'll be hearing from our lawyers shortly and, and the fact you don't have peter Lionel gordon Hussle on your on miguel your, sanchez i think and the fact you don't have peter miguel gordon sanchez. on your your team anymore uh our, our odds have boosted somewhat i think but we'll we'll I'm sure we'll find out more about that in, in due course. Financial yeah. fair play, I think, is the real issue. Yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of, uh, oh, actually, no, we're not speaking of that at all. We're going to move on to the rising star. We've got a rising star, Nick. We've got plenty of rising stars at the Western Bulldogs, but one's been officially recognised. The flea. 
You can add this to the reel as well, I suppose. Cody Waitman. <laughs> Thank you. Well said. Good call. Very good call. 14 disposals, two goals, two, six tackles and 11 score involvements for Cody. Added a new dimension to the forward line, I think. Something that was missing, which is it's a bit weird to say that the Bulldogs were missing a small forward, given how many years we've played with six of them. Or at yeah, least now five we've got, now, we're the land, now we're the land of the giants, pretty much. Um, <laughs> we've got them it's, coming it's out of our ears. It, we do now. It's very different because it's... It's an era, sorry, it's an aura of of confidence that there's a lot more about that in the forward line now, isn't there? You know, there's a bit of a strut, not just with him, but you know, we've seen it plenty with Norton too, who's easily the best young key forward in the game. No ifs, no buts. I don't care what anyone says. So if if Aaron it's Norton, a lot of campaigner. There's a lot of Aaron, campaigner there, isn't there? If Aaron Norton was a small forward, he changed oh, his name God. to Cody Waitman. What would Cody Whiteman change his name to? Well, if it will, he'd probably change his name to Aaron Norton if he was a bit taller. I think that's a very fair comment. They're both leap like that. And they both apply. They've, they've both got the, the flowing too, don't they? blonde mullet, which oh, God. I, I, yeah, can't, yeah. I can't grow. Oh, God, um, the hair bounces. And, you know, you're going to probably start a new name, Noodlehead, for Quentin Narkel again. No, there. no, no. That, that, finest, uh, that is a Noodlehead. That's that. They're just, they're, that's, I mean, that's just, I mean, that's just strands of spaghetti. He's just glued to his head. This this what is about, what about if someone rocks. decided to what about if someone decided to get a Matt Eagles haircut for the dreadlocks? The old Luke Dullins, mm. but I'd like to say Matt Eagles. Matt Eagles. Matt. I don't know. Not not Grime Myers. I don't know. Imagine if Matt Eagles were a, was a Bulldog supporter. And we could say bring him to the kennel too. Imagine that. Oh no. Love Whiteman. Love we Whiteman. Do very much. That is that very, that very much. See, we've been crying out for that sort of small forward for a few mm. years now. That that excitement machine. Because we've had good small forwards, mine. Uh, we've had obviously we've had Wallace, we've had Lloyd lead the goal kicking, we've had Tory Dixon lead the goal. Uh no, he didn't lead the goal kicking ever, did he? But he came runner up like at least two or three times. But we've we've never had that real excitement machine. Cody Waitman is the excitement machine. Mm. And again, once more, we'll highlight this. Another marketable player. Player. Mm-hmm. Definitely. One the fans can get on board with. First rising star nominee for the Bulldogs since Bailey Smith in round nine, 2019. So mm. another one with the uh with the with the, the flowing blonde locks. Oh god, this is a wonderful trend. <laughs> I wonder what's I wonder what's the hairstyle Sam Darcy has. Oh my yeah, we'll god. We'll have to we'll have to keep an eye out for that Imagine one. That. Uh all right, let's let's talk. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk fan questions because we've got a couple of fan questions this week. I don't think we've got many. Um, just the two is um, is, uh, is my understanding. You're going to have to lead me here, mate. I'll okay. Um, so at Moon Patrol thirty three, what's your thoughts on some in the media trying to justify St Kilda's performance on injuries? Can you compare who we had missing compared to them? Cheers. I believe you've got a list. I do have a list. I'm just going to get it up now. Uh, I don't. Do you have the? You don't happen to have the list for St Kilda by any chance, do you? Uh, they had a marshal. You, you find yours. I'll have a look. I All right. So, have a look. so this is this is a list that's written mostly by Andy Marr. Uh, I'm sure you all know who Andy Marr is, with a little bit of input from Avery and Mark Stevens. We love Steve-O. So these are the names that Andy Marr's read out: Dunkley, English, Martin McLean, John Richards, Eugel Hagen, Wood Wallace, West Lipinski, Gardner, Vandermeer. None of those names, not one, were involved at the weekend. That is scary because that is the that is the crux of a pretty competitive side, to be fair. 
And for, for and there were a lot of people who've been saying, oh, but only two or three of them are, are first team or, or such. Which is which I uh, would say and call out that is rubbish. Utter rubbish. So that is rubbish. Included in that list, <laughs> included in that list is a premiership captain. Just just to start, it's a premiership captain in that list. Uh and say to say that. You've got you've got the first choice ruck combination. You've got last year's leading goal kicker. You've got the uh, you've got one of the best midfielders in the competition who would walk into the best twenty-two of any side in the league. You have regulars throughout the last two or three seasons in McLean uh, and Richards and Lipinski. And- you have and the genuine players in the VFL two to come in, not injured, but still yep. there's a lot of genuine prospects. You have the first choice fullback in Ryan Gardner. You've got Vandermeer who has been selected when he's been fit. You've got the number one draft pick who everyone's been complaining about not playing, suggesting that he's good enough for the, the first team. And now they're arguing that he's not good enough for the first team. So I'm, I'm not sure what's going on there. All right. I've got the Saints uh, list up at this? the moment. We've yep. got uh, Jack Carlo. So Jake Carlo, that is a this is as of last Monday, but you know, it's for the most part the same. Yep. So Jake Carlo, it was too big confirmed, but he's now potentially being ruled out for most of this season. We've got Jade Gresham with an Achilles, so that's the season. We've got Dan Hannabury with a calf three to four weeks, and Zach Jones with a quad eight to ten. Uh, Dean Kent was available um, as of last Monday from concussion, but I don't know whether he played for, for Sandringham or not on the weekend. Um, Rowan Marshall, so that was a Planta Fascia, that was four weeks. Dan McKenzie, another calf on two weeks. And Ben Patson with a leg injury, which was, oh, that was with the incident, unfortunately, with uh, Jared Bruffhead earlier this year. So that's a season ender. Um, and then, of course, Ben Long, I think, was dropped last week. I think he was the medical sub or something like that. Highmore was a sub last week. Was it Highmore? So maybe Ben Long just got dropped. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Uh, so there you go. I think that's, uh, well, our injury list is longer. And, and there's a lot more quality and waiting on the sidelines too. And how many how many premiership players were in there? Was it might have been Hannabury, might be it. Hannabury, yes. Zach Jones wasn't uh, I think you might have been in that draft yet. And uh, no no premiership captains in that list either. All leading goal kickers. I wonder where though. I wonder where or number, one, was, or number one draft picks. No, or, uh, or, you know, uh, mid-season draft picks too while we're at it, just to really rub it in. Add Pat, 1989. How will our mids go against the Ds with Trelaw added to the injury list? Melbourne have a very decent midfield group, plus the best ruck in the competition. Normally, I wouldn't be worried, but the extra out hurts. I feel like we're back to where we are or where we were last year. So the midfield of Bontepelli, McRae, Bailey Smith, Hunter. Obviously, Dunkley was there, but missed a large portion of the season. I don't know if he played against Melbourne. He may have. He might have been one of the ruck options there, but I know Bruce uh, yeah, he bit he might have. Um, but, um, well, we didn't have Trelaw at all. No. And we've got Lipinski I, likely to yeah. come back in. To the, I, I, I feel like it's a so. similar midfield group to what we had when we played them last year. I'm not too worried. Mm. Because it's it's a system rather than personnel. Obviously, you want mm. obviously you want your, your very best players playing but i don't think but i think for the most part it's a system base so losing a player here and there mm, here isn't and there. you can cover a few yeah and and i feel like you know and, and the injury gods have you know you can say oh you know we keep getting injuries but i think the injury gods have been a little bit of a give and take with us this year so you know they they take eastern wood but that same week they give back bailey williams uh they they take adam trelaw but you know we get back lucky hunter 
Uh, and then Paul um, McLean too Paul, from, Paul McLean. from oh, actually no the better example would be they take to war but this week we get uh, we get English back indeed indeed and that's another different thing to, yeah. too, because this is the major talking point I think for this week this is what I definitely want to see um, us be a bit cautious on we it's not that we've been reliant you mentioned about the goals you know who's the next best after the, the two key position forwards in Lawson and Bruce they come up against Lever and May who have been in terms of the pairing, they've been the best key position pair this season. I'll still take our back six, though. But the thing is, if those two guys get, you know, not taken to the town, but if they get held or restricted, who's the next option? And that's where the, uh, the you know, the probable inclusion of English can shape it. Because we were able to take them to, you know, to the cleaners in the preseason game with that use of three tools. We'll, we'll have see. to see that because true, we've got to, we've got to see because that's the thing. I wonder how will it go? How will we go in the fourth half if those two guys are a bit subdued? We've got Bontempelli on fifteen goals. We've got English on nine. Trelaw was on seven. There's a couple of others floating Waitman's around. Waitman's on five now. Waitman's on five now. But that's the thing. I'm wondering not where the goals are going to come from because they'll happen, but who's the ones that will bob up? You know, we've seen the smalls have been not subdued this year, but they've played their role. Generally, it's the talls this season that have chipped. In majority of it, I want to say this week be the week potentially, if required, to be the week of the medium forward. So well, just just the last time we played Melbourne, obviously last year we got the the win Wallace with four goals, Bruce and Norton scoreless. That's what I'm bringing up. There you go. Thank you. And one more one more bit of news because that, they were the only two questions. Not not too many questions this week, and unfortunately we didn't have a major contribution from debt, but that's okay. There's always next week. Uh, the final bit that I want to go through here was the was was this game against Melbourne. So for me, this is the biggest home and away clash since that St Kilda Geelong classic in two thousand nine. Would you agree with that? It feels similar. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not exactly the same. Those two were a thirteen and zip record. This is nine and one, but. But both top of the ladder, and we're both at that sort of midway point mm. in the season. You're not going to get much closer than this in terms of in terms of a replica of that St Kilda Geelong game. It's very rare you get this point in the season. You got two sides who haven't played each other yet, one and two on the ladder, with a record this good. That's a very good point, though. I'm just wondering because even likewise too, I think, and I mentioned this for the Port Adelaide match. I think regardless. What happens unless we get you know destroyed, which hopefully won't be the case. Um, I think this game means more to Melbourne than it does to us. I think they still need to convince themselves a bit more. They've already tried to deflect the um, the media spotlight earlier today. I think Jake Lever's just deemed us the best team in the competition going mm-hmm. around at the moment. So you know they already tried to play funny buggers there. Um, but the difference is, I don't mind that because with us. And I, and I can happily say this and positively say this, we are the best side of the competition. And the thing is, I know that the team will um, will accept that mantle. They're not one that tends to, to shy away from such things. You know, They don't tend to rely on putting pressure on the opposition by immediate spotlight. They you, just tend to focus on things and get the job done. Do you feel like five years ago we would have struggled with this tag? Potentially. Yes, I, for sure. I feel like this is another one of the things that, that has changed with the arrival of Bontempelli. I mean, how often will we decide the dynamics that, of the that club, was talk, the talked up? Oh, this is the new team on the block, and then they come, they come up against, uh, they come up against side they're expected to beat, and they and they freeze. 
Mm. Or I don't, is it I a don't, challenge and they become a bit of a deer in yeah, the woods? I don't extent? feel like we're, we're that anymore. I feel like no. we're, we're a bit different mm. now. Mm. That's what I touched on earlier in the episode. There's a lot about that cohesion and there's, that, there's a lot more trust there, isn't there, once again. It's been missing for a good few years and it was there in 16. Then it got shattered, unfortunately, a little bit with circumstances. But it looks to have been rekindled. You know? And it's that's very nice to see because, my God, when it happens, we play some really exceptional footy. And we'll be going out with a different jumper as, uh, as well this week. So, obviously, this is Sir Doug Nichols' round. Um, and we're going to, and there's the, the new jumper, and this is fantastic. I, I think, in terms of the indigenous jumpers that we've had, this is the best of the lot. I absolutely love this jumper. So, this has been designed by Lindsay Gilby, who's obviously a former Bulldog, and the Aboriginal artist Nathan Patterson. Now, it's a the jumper is a, is a representation of the, the Bondic people. So, this is in the Mount Gambier area. Uh, now, Lindsay Gilby, throughout his career, wasn't aware of his heritage. Uh, he's discovered since retirement that I, I think he, I think he's I think his grandmother was was part of these people, and he's obviously spent a lot of time learning about his family culture uh, and his heritage and and how they lived, um, and and what the area was like. And he's his his jumper is is based off of that. So I think the what you can see with the jumper is obviously the the red and the white stripes through the middle are part of his own individual story. I think the blue circle in the in the middle is part of the the watering hole where he's where his um where his family would have gathered for for obviously for drinking water and and for and and for catching and for catching food and, and fishing and such. I think this I I I I, I do I do really enjoy hearing about the stories of these jumpers because every everyone is designed by someone else. And they've each got a slightly different story to tell. Uh, obviously, there was uh, Brett Goods designed one very early on. I think Craig Cooper Peters designed uh, a jumper uh, in part of our NG, uh, part of our what is it? NGA NGA uh, prospects too. Yeah. And now Lindsay Gilby, and they're they're all fantastic in their own way. But I, I think this one is is my personal favorite. I feel like I say that every year. That the the new one is is the best. But I really do like this one. I think you've given a very, very, very fine summarization of Jumper right there. And very much looking forward to seeing it uh, become or get unleashed this uh, this week. It's going to be really, really special. We've got to get tickets, mate. We've got to sort that out. <laughs> we, we do. We've got to sort that out. I think it'll look it'll look even even better if we get a, a better win in it and go one game clear. Uh, mm. Just finally, one one final thing. I got to wish a happy birthday to our, the, the president of the Salty Bulldog. Now, it's not his birthday yet, but uh, Wally Donald turns 94, 94, 94 on Thursday, 27th. I, I could go on about his achievements. That could take another hour. Um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that there for now. I'm just gonna wish him a happy birthday in advance because he's our president. I, We've got I, to- I think that might be something to do for during the bye week. That might be potentially the thing we do in the bye week. Probably dwell a bit into the club's history a bit more. I'd say I've got I've got a couple of plans with 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 the bye, but um, we'll we'll discuss that in due course, I'm sure. But I think in the meantime, that's going to be us for another week at the Salty Bowl. This has been a fantastic episode. Really, uh, really loved it, mate. I, I, I love talking. I love doing these episodes. We're on top of the ladder. <laughs> it's just a shame we haven't beaten anyone above us yet. <laughs> Eating away at me. 
if you want to listen to all of our other episodes throughout the year and you want to make sure that you can listen to all of our future episodes for the rest of the year, be sure to subscribe to The Salty Bulldog. You'll be able to check out uh, our podcast wherever you check out all of your other favorite podcasts. Of course, you know, there's the Spotify and Apple podcasts are the, are the main two that I've got here. We've also got our social media pages where you can check out all of our articles, including play ratings, five things we've learned and any other special content that we put out throughout the year and also all the latest news relating to the Western Bulldogs. The main source of that is obviously on Twitter at the Salty Bulldog. We've also got our, our outlets on Facebook and YouTube. Just type in the Salty Bulldog there. Our Instagram site, just type in that.salty.bulldog and the website www.thesaltybulldog.wixsite.com forward slash home. Nick, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, as always. Truly, to- truly I've loved this one. This has been a great episode, I think. To all of our listeners, wherever you have been tuning in around the world, we really do thank you for your time and your support. And until next week, take care.